Hey, 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 you guys. Thank y'all so much for being back on Black Canvas. We're still in season nine, and I told you we have some amazing guests here on the show. And I'm just really excited to have this couple here. They represent a lot of great things here in the community. And so I'm excited to have them to share their story with our listeners. Dub, the godfathers of LGBTQ plus TV, real life married couple, DeAndre and Quincy Lanier Gosfield are the creators, writers, and directors of the iconic GLAAD award-winning anthology series, The DL Chronicles. Building on their brand and following their passion of telling Black LGBTQ plus stories, they created and directed the Amazon Prime spinoff series, The Chadwick's Journals. The third season featuring Jamal Michael won a 2021 Silver Telly Award and garnered a 2020 Daytime Emmy nomination for lead actor Damien Raven. The Gosfields were also tapped to be part of the producing team for hit shows like Cocktails with Chloe and Sunday Best. Their short film Flames, executive produced by Lena Waite and Ray Shorjani, starring Dion Smith and Dontavious Williams, premiered with critical acclaim at the 2021 Tribeca's Film Festival and won two Telly Awards for Best Directing and Best Drama. Several SFAAF awards, including Best Directing and Best LGBT Short, First Runner-Up for Best Local Short, and the Jury Award for Excellence in Cinematography at Out on Film Atlanta. Their short film, Congo Cabaret, highlighting their LGBTQ plus contribution to the Harlem Renaissance has won numerous awards and features Parisha Fitz Henley, Kevin Daniels, and Daryl Stevens. Their film, Smoke, Lilies and Jade, narrated by Emmy and Tony Award winner, Billy Porter, premiered at Outfest Film Festival in Los Angeles and went on to win Best Short Film at the 2021's Black Alphabet Film Festival in Chicago. The pair made their TV directorial debut and the 2022's hit show on Showtime, The Shy. And I'm so excited to have both, not only two amazing pioneers, but two amazing human beings, DeAndre and Quincy here on Black Canvas. Thank y'all for being here. Thank you for having Yes, thank you for having us. Oh, no problem at all. I'm just so excited. And so I want to go maybe to Quincy first, if you're okay. We're going to do some line of questions that I created, and I thought it'd be fun to kind of get to know more about you guys in a different level on the show. So if you're ready, I can jump right in. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the first question I have for you, can you tell the listeners about what was one of the biggest turning points in your career and how did this event or situation help reshape your life? Hmm. The biggest turning event. Um, I would say uh, it was being a um, background actor on a film, an independent film here in Chicago um, in the early 90s called Solstice. Um, I got to be a background actor on that film and I was just fascinated with observing and watching how movies were made. Like I was more interested in the process than I was being in front of the camera. And so I just remembered um, 
it was in the middle of the winter. I think it was about February, maybe late January, early February. We were shooting off of Lakeshore Drive on the north side of Chicago, and we were shooting nights. So if anybody's from Chicago, they, they'd understand that it's incredibly cold. It's sub-zero in February and late January. And to be off the lake, you're getting this crazy, crazy frostbiting wind. Um, and there was no place that I could rather be, I would rather be. Like, literally, I would be exhausted, cold, uncomfortable. And all I could do was think about being back on that set the next day. Um, and, and for me, that was the moment where I realized, like, if I feel physically this, this bad and then this much pain, but I'm getting so much joy uh, from being here, this is, this is what I need to be doing. And so I, I uh, spoke to the director and asked him um, if there were any day, if there was any day that I could come, just watch, uh, hang out and watch them work. You know, days that I wasn't, you know, uh, being a background actor. Um, and he said, "Yeah, sure." So he told me what day I could come down and and you know just stand on the sidelines and watch them work. And while I was there, you know, I saw people moving boxes and picking up cords. And then I would just volunteer, say, "Hey, you need some help carrying that." And by the end of the night, they saw that I was very proactive and helpful, and they asked if I wanted to be a production assistant, a PA. I had no idea what that was, um, but I said yes, and I actually got to work um, on that film for the rest of the shoot, and that was my very first experience, um, professional experience, working in, in film, and that was probably my deciding factor. That was the moment that that changed everything for me. Wow, I love that. And I've been doing some research, if I'm not mistaken, you guys both met through, through acting, correct? See, I do my work with that. <laughs> I love, I love that. <laughs> and I know y'all celebrated an anniversary so recently and just kind of just being together and supporting each other in your careers, I think that's amazing. So DeAndre, I have a question for you. Um, if you had a time machine and could only go back to talk to your younger self only about your work life for only two minutes, what would you tell him? Oh, great. You give me this question I was hoping I wouldn't get. Um, <laughs> let me see. <laughs> you know, one of the main things I would say is don't be afraid. You know, I so for so long as a as a kid, I wanted to do this, but I was very much inside of my shell. I, I wasn't very comfortable in my skin for many, many years. I had a very turbulent upbringing. And, you know, there was a lot about myself that I wasn't sure of. You know, I was struggling with my sexuality. I was a I was explosive behind the closed the closed doors. I was a I was a, a ham if the doors were closed or if I was just in front of my little sister. But into the world I was very squeamish and quiet and I would, if I, if I could talk to my younger self, I'd go to him and tell him, you're okay, you're fine, you're perfect just the way you are, and uh, it's okay to be, um, it's okay to be, what would I, uh, the, not the center of attention, but it's okay to be seen. That's what I would say. It's okay to be seen. It's okay for people to see you. Your voice matters. 
um, stop cowering to what you think, you know, is working against you because eventually your voice will win out over the noise and people will see you and they'll love you for just who you are. If I, you know, I, I think if I could have just, um, seen or heard some affirmations like that at that age, I might've arrived, you know, I don't know, maybe things happened for me at the time they were supposed to happen, but I do wonder if a lot of my, like, you know, uh, broken young social life could have been could have come on a little sooner i didn't i didn't i didn't arrive at myself until i was well into high school and i just wish that i hadn't spent so many of my childhood years you know uh afraid of who i was and 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 in the skin that i was in so yeah i that was a long answer this is what was supposed to be a two minute <laughs> talk to my younger self but yeah that i think that's I love that, DeAndre. And I, I don't know why you were scared of that question because you answered it well. And I think it just kind of goes into everyone's experiences are going to be different and everyone's childhood and family of origin concerns can be different. Um, so I'm a licensed professional counselor full time. And so it's great when I get an opportunity to meet so many unique individuals from different purviews and experiences that they've gone through in their childhood or adulthood. And I always tell people, that when they come to me in a session, my whole point is to make it a safe landing space for them to be able to express themselves and not feel judged. And it's important for us to love people back and not judge them back because it's an easy way for us to kind of keep everyone secluded and, and not connected. And so the whole premise of this show, I always tell people is about less divisiveness and more inclusiveness and us being able to express it in a healthy way um, but also support each other when we're having those rough moments to know that that person not only exists, but you're unique and you're uniquely made and that every person hopefully who's listening to this will be able to understand your story and your journey because your journey is, is uniquely for both of you guys individually and collaboratively. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no problem. All right. So Quincy, you got a hard one next. <laughs> oh God. What's this? All right. Uh oh, you said, oh, God. Well, I'm not God, but I'm Jerry. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, Jerry. All right. So complete this sentence. If I couldn't make or create art, so meaning like writing, directing, producing, I would. So what would you do if you couldn't create art? Oh, see, that my answer is still within the arts because I'm, I'm a cartoonist and a visual artist. So I don't know if that qual if that's the right answer because you said if I couldn't create art, is that a good answer? <laughs> you specifically <laughs> you said agree. writer, director, or producer, so you were you were specifying art in, in you know in the entertainment. So um, I I love how you're trying to work this <laughs> angle, but we got we got <laughs> okay okay. If I couldn't create art, I would be a genealogist. Really? Why did you choose that one? Because it's one of my loves. It's, it's one of my, uh, my passions. Okay. I love that. And I feel like that's something, and you're right. I, I did kind of specify specifics in, of what I wanted, but I think you answered it well. And I love that you said like even cartoon or illustration and storyboard telling, I think all that still goes into 
the realm of what you do. Like you have to have that vision in your mind first before you put it on paper and then you can express it in a way where people can connect you to it. Right, right. Yeah. I'll let that start. give you half a point on that one, Quincy. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So the next one I have, DeAndre, for you. Um, do you have a mentor, someone that has kind of helped guide you in your career? And how did you find your mentor who helped kind of forge the relationship that you've had with your producing and that? Yeah, so I sort of gleaned a lot of my mentorship from just the people around me. I don't, I can't say I found a specific mentor. I think a lot of, a lot of what brought me out of my shell that I spoke of was some very great teachers that I had along, you know, along my educational path. I had uh, an English teacher in junior high school who was very fascinated with my writing and encouraged me to, you know, do better and gave me books to read and, you know, would post my, uh, my writings in the uh, school lobby for people to read when they came in. It gave me a lot of esteem. Uh, she built up my, uh, you know, my, my feelings about myself, just basically telling me, you're great, you know, you're really good at this. And it went from teachers to I have my mom is a huge influence on me. I mean, my mom was probably supposed to be a performer herself. You know, you know, her her life didn't quite take her all the way there. But a lot of that kind of chutzpah for movies and acting and writing, I take from I borrow that from my mom. I watched that growing up. Um, You know, she found ways to express herself even as we were going through some crazy times growing up, she would always read us books and she wrote poems and she acted and performed literally to the point of dressing up and doing stuff in front of me and my little sister just for entertainment. That was my mother. So I borrowed stuff from her. I have a, a, a great grandmother who, not great grandmother, but my, she's, she was my great, she was great as my grandmother. Um, uh, same thing. She was, you know, my grandmother always told the story of how she sang when she was a teenager and got gonged on the show when she lived in Texas and she was trying to sing the song and they bonged her. But she was always trying to just be seen and, and heard. And she also writes. And so I just borrowed a little bit from everybody and sort of um, built up my because a lot of what my arrival to my self was was just an esteem issue. And so I think I give most credit to a lot of my teachers. And and again, in high school, I had a drama teacher that saw that I had something when I auditioned for a play. And he pulled me aside and told me that, you know, this is probably something you could pursue. And I don't say that to a lot of my students and I want to help you get there. And so he put me in more plays. He gave me lead roles. He put me in a competition for Shakespeare and fall festivals and I was winning these awards and he just he just sort of I I guess I guess if I had to pick one it would be him I would say Walter McDowell my high school drama teacher is probably one of my biggest influencers in my life who basically snatched me up and said I'm gonna help you get places kid you know and uh and yeah, I, 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 it's a combination and an amalgamation of a lot of people in my life, not one particular like person. But if it was one that I had to pick, it would be Walter McDowell. My-
Thank you so much for saying that, DeAndre. I feel like teachers don't get enough respect and, and enough support. And when I think of that, it takes, when you were saying it's like a village, and we've heard that phrase before, to kind of not only raise, but also instill the gifts in our young people. And so when I think of acting, I always related to it's like behaving truthfully under imaginary circumstances. So you are being able to kind of share your experience, and you're also being able to help people kind of see a different light into what you want to convey. Um, on screen or on stage. And so I think y'all both do a great job of that. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit um, toward the end. But I think that's a great way of looking at just, you know, the influences we have for sure. Thank you. So this, you're welcome. All right. So this is going to be fun. So Quincy and DeAndre, I'm going to ask y'all actually the same parts of this. And y'all can just shout out the answer that applies. So I'll go to Quincy first and then DeAndre. Okay. Okay. All right, so the first one I have is your favorite movie. Uh, see, so here we go. I'm not a person with favorites because I like a lot of different things, but I chose Moulin Rouge as one of my favorites. All right, Moulin Rouge. All right, DeAndre, what about you on that one? I would say E.T., and, and only because that's what started me in all of this. Like, that was the, I think that was the movie that made me want to be a filmmaker before I knew that's what it was that I wanted to do. Uh, that's what it was called. But E.T. had a major impact on me as a kid, so. Phone home, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, next one we have is, well, I'm just gonna change it. Maybe one of your favorite TV shows. Okay, Six Feet Under. Ooh, that's a good one. Yes. Was, uh, uh, was uh, for, 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 our work in television, it was one of the most influential um, when we were entering into uh, television directing and, and creation. I like that. Good job on that, Quincy. Yeah, it's probably the same, but I'll add to that most, more recently, Atlanta, the show, because I just felt like it's one of the shows that moved the needle for how you can tell stories um and the 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 insane and fun ridiculousness of that show i i just relish in um but yes uh, six feet under for sure had the biggest influence on me and quincy's tv you know aspirations and everything that we do is is you know that's sort of the blueprint that we work from so all right i like that and then you know the funny thing is we're going to talk about one of your shows the shy that y'all worked on and the funny thing is, I have a good friend who is on your um, on the shy, and she is amazing. So I'm going to see if y'all know who I'm talking about. I'm going to see if y'all can guess who I'm talking about. Okay. Um, All right. So, uh, uh, Quincy? Wait, wait, okay. wait. Are we are we going back to the questions, or are we going to make we're doing yeah, the guess? Yeah. yeah. I want us to guess on. We'll try to guess. Figure out who it is. Okay. Where are you from? Well, I'm actually from Louisiana, so I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, but I live in Shreveport. But the person I met was actually on my show. Hmm. I mean, we have, you know, that's just not even fair because we have too many amazing people on our show, especially uh, of the, 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 the women cast. Like, 
So, <laughs> so you asking me? That's the to whole take, point. You know, <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to get me in trouble with my girls. No. So, uh, so uh, does the one? So does the <laughs> does the person have? Okay, what age range are they in the? Are they between the eighteen and twenty five age range? Older. And do they have a love? Yes. All of them are have love ma- interests. Are, are they married? I will say that this person just came on the show just recently in later seasons. No. Oh, I wish the candy was my friend. No. <laughs> All right. I'll help y'all. Miss Carolyn. Do y'all know Carolyn really well? Absolutely. Yes. She's, she's not married, but she's she's dating Shad right now on the show. She's a sweetheart. Okay. She's an amazing talent as well. Yes. She is. Yeah, I've been keeping in contact with her recently. We we keep in touch pretty often. And so she graced my show. So she was my first guest from the shy. And I really love her. Very nice person overall. And so yeah, we've gotten real close, and I've been able to talk to her um, since our interview. So, yeah, I was like, it's a newfound friend. That's when you're like, where where are you from? I'm like, no, we just kind of started to get to know each other, but she's amazing. That's great. Yes, love her. Sweet, sweet, kind, and pretty woman. Yes, such great energy, always. Like, just she lights up the room, and, and she's one of those people where her, her aura, I, can I not say the word? Aura. Did that still say it wrong? I feel like I'm her, still saying her, it wrong. Her, her aura. Her, her aura. Or, 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 aura. Aura. Right. Look at me. Her aura. Her aura <laughs> is, is, is so bright. You know what I mean? Like you meet some people and they just carry such a spirit of, of kindness. Um, and that's how she carries herself. And, and that's, you know, one of the things that I love most about her. Absolutely. So yeah, y'all did good. Yeah, I, I love how DeAndre is like, no, I'm about to figure this out. We don't, we don't narrow this down. <laughs> now, what about your favorite books, you guys? Quincy, which one of your favorites? My favorite book is one of my favorite books, uh, Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. Okay, I have not heard of that one. Can you kind of briefly give me a synopsis? Of what oh my gosh, it's one of the most amazing, uh, almost prophetic, <laughs> somewhat uh, sci-fi, but not too sci-fi. Like it's 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 more post-apocalyptic in nature. So it's not like sci-fi where there's you know robots and flying things. It's 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 one of her novels because she does a lot of sci-fi. Um, she's a sci-fi writer. And or was a sci-fi writer, rest in peace. And this particular book was more grounded in reality than um, her other books, which were more, you know, fantasy. Um, and this one takes place in like the late twenties, twenty hundreds. So not too far from where we are now. Actually, and it is actually, actually, we go ahead. This literally is my favorite book. Uh, it actually start, takes place in the year 2024, which is so funny to me. Next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's it's like a it's like post-apocalyptic, you know, like society has broken down. Folks are living in these compounds with walls and 
the rich have, you know, basically started running things. There's no gas. The only, the only people that use gas are the rich folks. Everybody else is like walking or riding bikes and people have forgotten how to. There's grow. no middle, there's no middle class. No. Um, so, so imagine if things continue in the direction that things are going present day. Um, that's that's the world that she created and she wrote that book years and years ago and the scary part is many many of the things that she wrote about have happened or are happening and it's i don't want to give it away you just got to go read it i'm I'm gonna get it's amazing i'm gonna give it away i'm gonna give it away her name is lauren she's getting these visions about uh Flying, they're metaphorical because basically what she's coming into is some truth about, uh, you know, God and the God concept is starting to question. She starts to question her belief in the Christian teachings that her dad was kind of preaching before he disappeared one day from the compound. And uh, basically she is a new prophet and she has this new vision about how to save humanity basically and she's a black woman which is incredible she's like a black teenager so back to, yeah. yeah a black teenager so it's it's all that it's a it's a it's a post a lot post-apocalyptic science fiction thing grounded in reality that's literally for that literally foretold what we're going through now and the scary thing is it's 2023 and her drama the whole epic starts in 2024 so if you haven't read Parable of the Sword by Octavia Butler, please get that book. It was it it'll it'll scare you. It'll scare you into learning how to uh, forage from the land and how to uh, make food and, and clothes and and all of the things that you know we've forgotten how to do. Um, basically, how to survive off the grid. It, it's just an it's an amazing book. It's actually a trilogy, um, but the first book um, you must read. It's a must read. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to have to check it out for sure. And being an author myself, I enjoy writing and sharing experiences with other people. And so for me, um, when I wrote, like during COVID, I wrote a lot of poetry at that time. And I felt like some of the stuff I was saying was things we experienced, of course, being people of color, our experiences from years ago, centuries ago, experiences that we all have gone through to where we are now. And it's just funny how some of the stuff that I wrote and things I discussed, like people are like, oh, wow, that actually does apply to what I experienced. So that was something that I never thought I would go through and I'm going through it now. So I think, yeah, writing, sometimes you can have that discernment, those feelings, those emotions where you can almost see and feel it. And then there's other times where you just want to just escape. And when you read a book, you just want to just kind of use that as your way of kind of refueling yourself, if you know what I'm saying. We do. We definitely identify. Absolutely. I love that. So speaking of love, um, I'm going to ask both of you guys this question. Can y'all define your or come up with your own version or definition of the word love? What does it mean to you and what do you define it to be? Love is a mini splendor thing. No, I'm just kidding. So love, love is so, so I always felt, I always feel like in the English language, we have this one word especially for committed romantic love. We have this one word that never really fully encompasses what it means to be in love. Love is so many things. Uh, you know, first there's the, the basic love, you, you, you know, the tingly butterfly feelings you have for somebody that, you know, that's the, 
that's the thing that attracts you to a person. But then there's this other thing that starts to take hold and where you actually care about the well-being of the person. And so there becomes this, this uh, feeling of uh, nurture. You start to nurture the person and you, you truly care about how they feel, how uh, they feel about you, how they feel about the world and anything you can do to help them feel better about how they perceive the world or continue to keep them feeling happy about the things they feel happy about. And then there's that part where it's, you, you become, uh, you know, for, uh, for me and Quincy, I think there's a companionship too element where, you know, you sort of, you start to experience the world together um, as companions. And though you're romantically involved, but this, it, it also becomes sort of like your best friend. It's like a, like a, like a, a pal feeling and, you know, and you, you, you get to the place where you, when you travel, you can't think of traveling with anybody, but this person, because you will experience it in the ways that you like to experience that thing together. Cause there's a mutual, uh, you know, appreciation for the things that you do together. And that only mean it, that will only mean it. It would, it would only mean the thing that it means to just the two of you. And and then there's this, um, uh, what are the other feelings? Uh, uh, longevity feelings, like where you start to can't imagine your life without the person. Like you start to look out into the future and you have all these future plans and you can't imagine any of those things happening without the person. It becomes a timeline uh, thing. And all of these things develop as you work through relationships. So love evolves if you... If you stay committed and you and you work through the challenges of, of relationships, you all of these all of these petals are the, this flower starts to continue to keep it just keeps opening up and every new chapter of your relationship you find out there's this other thing that you love for lack of a better term about this person. So it's a it's a very multi layered. I wouldn't say it's complicated, but it is not something that you arrive at easily. It's a, it's an evolution of sorts. And so I always feel like we simplify the word love so much. And a lot of couples are always wondering how you guys last so long and all of these other things. And they don't understand that this is a, a constant uh, recommitment. It's a constant evolution of sorts and that it all these things that we have you're not going to get in the first few years of your relation you just not you gotta you gotta stick it in and all this stuff starts to develop as you move along so that's uh, a long answer and that and, and it, it, it's because love is not that simple um for me especially when you're talking about learn long-term relationships so yeah stick in there and let it evolve it becomes a million things that i still have i don't think we've even explored as far as it's gone I'll, I'll add to that and try to be, you know, quick. Um, we, DeAndre and I have, we are licensed to, to marry individuals. And one of the things that we often um, write in, in some of the marriage ceremonies is um, I, we quote from, we call it the book of Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> and then people always, you know, are kind of taken aback at the weddings when we say, What's love got to do with it, right? Because the wedding is all about two people being in love. And we go on to explain that love is 
is a container. It's a container that holds important things together, right? So without those things, respect, uh, trust, um, romance, all there's so many different things that have to fill up that cup. So love does not serve its purpose if it doesn't have anything to hold, right? So uh, love is, a, is an empty container, which serves no purpose if, if all of those other elements are not poured into it. And so we always encourage, you know, the, the, the married couple to, to work on building and fostering and, and, and strengthening all of those important elements that have to go into that cup of love. Because without it, love doesn't serve a purpose. Uh, another example that we often give is like people always talk about falling in love. Like falling in love, your, your hormones are all over the place. Your pheromones are doing things. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like skydiving. Like your, your, your body is just in a free fall. You, it's, it's exhilarating. But love starts when, you know, at the end of every fall, there's, 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 a, there's a land. You might you know, land with a, a hard smack, a thud. But the part of getting up and walking is, is the part of love, like walking together. Because we always are going to fall in love. Everybody falls in love at some point. And people, people fall in love with falling in love, if you know what I mean. So you, you, you find people who are what we call... Um, What's the word, DeAndre? They're they're uh, they're uh, they go from oh, one relationship to the serial serial monogamous because they actually have become addicted to the to the the feeling that you get from falling in love, but not understanding that the love part takes place when you hit the ground, and when you hit the ground is when you when you have to get back up and walk together and learn each other and you got obstacles and you got hills and you got mountains to climb and you got valleys and you got rivers to swim through. You know what I mean? Like that's where the love part comes in. And that's also where you build all of those things that DeAndre was referring to earlier. That's the process of the, the evolution process. So, you know, walking in love is more important than falling in love and love doesn't serve its purpose if it does not have all of the elements that are required to make love work. If, if you understand. Oh, I got you, Quincy. You need to trademark that. I love that walking in love is more important than falling in love. I like that. I really like that. And you know, there's a funny thing, you guys. Um, I'm going to use my counseling part now. Um, R.J. Sternberg came up with a triangular theory of love. And so he talks about a liking relationship, which is more about intimacy. He talks about a companionate relationship, which is about intimacy and commitment. There's empty love, which is about commitment. You have factuous love, which is passion and commitment. Then we have infatuation, which is just passion alone. We have romantic love, which is passion and intimacy. But the love that he says that we're trying to hopefully get to and obtain is called a consummate love, which includes intimacy, passion, and commitment. And I feel like that can be used in so many facets of life, whether it's in acting, modeling, dancing, um, intimate relationships with a partner, um, spiritual relationships, if that's something you have with a higher power, as you understand that higher power. That, it could be so many different areas in life where we can find intimacy, passion, and commitment and use it 
And then that kind of fuels us to move forward and know that we're doing the right things for ourselves. But we also surrounding ourselves with people who are going to help encourage us and keep us motivated. And, and when we talk about altruism and doing things for others, I always think of like benevolence and doing things for the next person. But it's about also serving yourself. And I always say you can't give you know, all this energy and fuel to others when you are not refueling yourself and actually knowing what it takes to get to another level in your life. And so I love that y'all have not only love for your craft and what you do, but you have fallen in love in the past, but now you're walking into your love and you're being able to share that love with so many other people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And that, those concepts you just read, we're, we're familiar too. You, Quincy and I also have degrees in psychology. <laughs> so a point, there we go. At a point <laughs> we, we went back to school when we were, beat up by the industry while we were actors and uh, got our degrees in psychology. So I'm, I'm familiar with that, that, uh, that uh, scientific explanation of, of, of what love is and our desire to have consummate love. So thank you for letting your, your uh, listeners. Yes. I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, I think that's something we need to always remember, like everyone's concepts and thoughts are, you know, can be helpful and different, but I always say you you know what works for you and you have to follow that passion, wherever that is for sure. So I have two last questions for you guys. I'm going to combine the last two. So the first question is, do you mind sharing with us where can our listeners find you both online? And then the second part, do you mind sharing some tidbits of things you have that are coming up soon that we can go out and support and, and continue to help you guys grow in your careers? Absolutely. So I'm... Uh... Uh, D Gosfield on Instagram. That's where I am mostly. I, I'm D Gosfield everywhere, but I'm on Instagram the most. I, I'm addicted a little bit. Um, and uh, I think that was the first question. The second question, what's coming up? Uh, right now, Quincy and I are producing and directing on the current season six of The Shy. So we have a 16 episode season. It's the first time it's ever had this many episodes. Um, and with a big launch with the new Paramount uh, platform that's about to, that's going to drop this summer. Um, so that's what's current. Quincy might know better what's coming up. <laughs> I, talk, um, I mean, uh, right now that's, that's where our head is and our, our whole lives are being poured into uh, the shy at the moment. So that, that is what's coming up. So um, look out for season six of The Shy. Um, it's going to be a great, great, great season. Um, you can find me on Instagram where I'm, I'm mostly active, like DeAndre. Uh, my username is Q Lanier. That's Q as in Quincy, Lanier. Um, I am on Twitter, but I'm, I'm bouncing from Twitter. Me and Twitter are falling out of love, so... I'm moving to Spottable, which is, uh, by the way, you guys check out Spottable.com. Um, it is created by a black engineer, a black tech, a black tech whiz. Um, and a lot of people are moving over there. So that's where you can get your Twitter feel without having to deal with the crazy that's going on on Twitter right now. So, yeah, I'll be over there. And, and um, I think it's under Quincy Lanier as well or Q Lanier and um, Facebook. Quincy Lanier as well. 
Well, I thank y'all both for giving me this opportunity to have you featured on Black Canvas. This has been a great journey of sorts, learning more about your careers, your life, and just I'm very happy to say that y'all are doing amazing things in your careers, but also personally, you're doing so much to help others. And so I appreciate this moment. Hopefully in the future, I can have you guys back on another show that I'm doing. I co-host is called Embracing Your Love Marks. And I have a guest um, who was actually on Black Canvas a few times, Dorian Lake, who's an amazing singer. So if y'all ever need someone, maybe in the future to like use one of his records or something, I definitely would suggest like using him. Dorian Lake is amazing. So I'll give y'all more information on him, but I'm excited. This has just been such an amazing moment getting to know you guys. And I want our listeners to remember to let's embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. So thank you so much, Quincy and DeAndre. And if y'all ever interested in coming back in the future, let me know and I can set it up with you guys. Thanks for having us, Sherry. This was great. Congratulations. I appreciate you guys, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Okay. Bye. Oh, 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 oh.